In today's show, we look at Thursday. In the NBA, there were four games on. There were confusing and interesting and positive and negative rotation decisions. We'll talk all about that. Plus, hey, we've got a return day for Steph Curry, Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com. And you can find me on Twitter, as always, at RedRock underscore Beeble, on TikTok, at RedRock underscore Beeble, and on Instagram, at LockedOnFantasyBasketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. We're here Thursday to end week 19. Well, not, no, not two more days. Two more, three more days of week 19. Forget that I said anything. We are here in the middle of week 19 to look at all of Thursday's action warning. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> all right. Some injury updates. Darren Fox looks like he'll be available to play tomorrow. But when the official injury report came out, they are listing him questionable. Now, he said, again, players talk shit all the time. He said, no, nah, I'm fine. I'm ready to play. Um, and he practiced in full. So I, I do believe that he's going to play. But he is questionable. Shea is out. Jordan Clarkson is out. And Kyle Lowry is out without a timetable. I have no idea. I didn't expect Lowry to play this week at all. And then at the start of the week, they said, no, nah, he's actually questionable. I went, okay, I guess he's back. Well, no, he's not. So let's rule him out for the rest of this week. And now they've got Jimmy Butler questionable for tomorrow as well. So Struess, Holodipo, Vincent, all these guys get a potential much bigger boost if both Butler and Lowry are out. With Shea out, we look at Isaiah Joe. With Clarkson out, it's more value for Horton Tucker. It's more value for Chris Dunn there as well. But Oshai Baji will probably get another start, although I don't love him as a uh, as a fantasy option. And then we got some news on some really huge players. Steph is back on Sunday. Chris Haynes says, barring a setback, he will play on Sunday. It was already leaning towards that with some of the comments from Steve Kerr a couple of hours earlier, but it's happening. He's back on Sunday. But on the bad side of things, LeBron James is out at least three weeks. He's going to be reevaluated in three weeks. This, this ends his fantasy regular season. It And I think it makes LeBron, again... Always, if you have open injured reserve slots, you put someone in in reserve. That is what you do. And if you have to make a decision later on, you make that decision. But if you've got an open slot, if you're in a weekly league, if you're in a roto league, you can hold these people on the bench. That is how all of this stuff works the same. Injured slot, weekly league bench, roto bench, all works the same. They are all stashable spots. So you hold LeBron in those spots. Daily changes, no open injured reserve, you drop him. He's not going to play for three weeks. At least, maybe more, probably more. You drop him. It's LeBron. I know that. Also, another reason why you shouldn't have undroppable lists in fantasy. Because there will be some places, ESPN, where he's not droppable just yet. They don't update it quick enough. So you sit there one, two days, go, I'm stuck. What can I do? I need to move on from this guy, but I can't add him. Same happened with, or drop, drop him and add someone else. Same happened with LaMelo Ball. You shouldn't have undroppable lists. LeBron should be dropped. So good news with Steph, bad news with LeBron. With LeBron out, you're going to have Troy Brown get starts. I think Schroeder's going to be the overall big winner. 
followed by Austin Reeves, then probably Troy Brown, Lonnie Walker, Rui Hachimura in that order. But Brown, Walker, Hachimura aren't 12-team league players. Well, not that I believe anyway. Let's look at the most added players off waiver wires over the last 24 or so hours. Number one is Tari regular season, up 19%. Minutes are up, probably around 19% as well, to be honest. And he should be rostered. You can't let that value slide away. Now, he's still playing off the bench. He's still got a risk of playing 21 minutes, 22 minutes, 18 minutes. But three big games, three games over 25 minutes in a row, more minutes than Jay Sean Tate, which I can't believe it took this long to get there. But that's what happened last game. More minutes at the three. Yes, last game, Jabari Smith only played 20. So a little bit of a red flag that what if Jabari plays 30, where does Tari fit? Still not convinced of what Silas is going to do because he makes bad decisions all the time. But we add Eason and we, we should have added him two days ago, three days ago, four days ago. But now we add him. A lot of people add Goldfinger, Charlie Bassey. Spurs play today. They've also got two more games coming up in the next three nights. So yes, that makes some sense to have Bassey. We talked about him on the streaming show. John Kaminga's up 16%. Some of that's a stream for today. Tim Hardaway up 15%. Some of that's a stream for today. We know what he is. He's a points and threes guy. No problem having him. No problem not having him. Uh, Matisse Leibel up 9%. His offensive stuff has been a gigantic bonus. We still have him for the steals and for the blocks, but the fact that his role became even more secure now, I think with Simons out or doubtful for tomorrow, um, that really helps uh, Thibel. <laughs> this one. Uh, sticks, Jalen Smith. Now, a couple of things to say with this. We heard so much about Rick Kyler praising how good Jalen Smith had been. Wow, he's been amazing. We love what he's done. Two big games in a row, and then today he was not in the rotation. So, you know what, Rick Kyler? I don't know what to make of it. There's no consistency there at all. We had the guy that should have been playing that role all season, Isaiah Jackson, in as the backup center today. And I just think it's going to be back and forward and back and forward. Now, there was no way that Jalen Smith was a long-term 12-team league option. There was none. People asked, we talked about on the waiver wire show how he was, top 100 after those two games. I said, there's no way you want him as a long-term guy. But with only four games on today, you could have streamed him in. But, you know, how could you expect after two big games in a row, after getting so much praise from the coach, that you'd be like, Jalen, you've done such a great job. Finger your ass for the whole game. Don't need you to play. Just do whatever else you need to do. <laughs> like, it's it's insane. Anyway, Dan Gafford up 8%. Are you convinced now that he's must roster? I've banged on about it for so long. Are you convinced? Surely, hopefully. And then Timothy John McConnell up 7%. Well, do you want me to give a double bird to Ricala? I won't because McConnell still played 30 minutes. But of course, George Hill was the man who started. But McConnell played those big minutes coming off the bench. The most dropped player over the last 24 hours is Josh Okoge in Phoenix. Fine. Durant's back. No shots to go around. Absolutely. Move on. The second most dropped player, which was curious to me considering he did play today, that's Malachi Branham. Now, I'm all for him being a drop. We'll talk about it when we talk about the Spurs game later. But I don't think I would have done it today when there was four games on and he played one of them. Pat Williams down 10%. Yeah, look, he was really good last game, but there's no trust in that. Shaden Sharp down 8%. Yeah, I think that's... Look, no, Simon's out again, but Sharp's not a 12-team league must, so no worries. Trey Murphy down 8 Yeah, I'd be a little bit cautious on that. Valanciunas is out again tomorrow. And I think going up against Golden State, running small ball with Herb Jones at center... He's going to work out much better than running Billy Hernan Gomez out there. So I think Murphy might play 30 minutes. Now, I don't think he needs to be rostered, but I don't know if I would have dropped him now. Brandon Clark down eight. Sure. Cam Thomas down 7%. No worries. He's not a must-roster player. He has value for some, but not for others. Cool. And Kevin Love down 7%. In when we're in fantasy playoffs, dropping these sort of fringe players, who Kevin Love is going to be your worst guy on a 12-team roster, fine. 
can he be rostered? Sure. Does he have to be? No. And that's how that's how brutal you have to be when making your decisions um, when we come to the fantasy playoffs, which is exactly where we are at the moment. Today's episode is brought to you by the all-new Nissan Aria. Nissan's most electric player of the week is brought to you by the all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. And of course, the player of the week has to be Damian Lillard. A 40-point game, a 71-point game, absolutely carrying this Blazers franchise since he came back from his second calf injury earlier this season. Lillard has been one of the most dynamic and fierce players in the entire NBA this season. He's, is he on track for an All-NBA? Not, I don't know. All I know is that he's been unbelievably electric this week, just like the Nissan Aria is. The 2023 Nissan Aria packs pin to your power. Pin to your power? No, it doesn't. It packs pin to your seat power and premium intelligence all in one EV. The all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. The EV for people who love to drive. Shop now at NissanUSA.com. Okay. Should we get into the games? We probably should. The first one, the Toronto Raptors. Good for them. They lose against the Wizards, 119-108. And I like, despite what people might think, I actually like the Raptors. I think Nick Nurse is a good coach, but I'm never going to be afraid to call out shit jobs. And Nick Nurse did a shit job today. 119, Washington, 108, Toronto. And I'll tell you what the shit job was. Jakob Pertl played 10 minutes in the first half. They were getting cooked when spuds like Will Barton and Thad Young were playing minutes. Gary Trent was a disgusting minus 26 in his 18 minutes. And then, again, I'll criticize. I think I think Nick Nurse lost them this game. But I also think that he saw that and went, ugh. Like, it's, the thing that frustrates me with the coaching is, like, I'm not a coach. I don't know how to scheme. I don't know how to do any of these things. right? But when I look at it and go, oh, this is ugly. Why are you playing these players who are useless when you could be playing Yucca Pertle? This is not going to work. Oh, that's disgusting. And then that happens and the coach goes, ah, yeah, maybe I should have played Yucca Pertle. And then he does and it gets better. Pertle played 22 second, minute, second half minutes. He ended up with 23 and 13, four assists, three steals and two blocks. It's really hard to complain about that for fantasy and no one is. He's been unbelievable since arriving in Toronto. But there's actually more that he can give. He's top 20 over the last week, and this is the first time in the last four games he's actually reached over 30 minutes, and he did it with a 10-minute first half. I hope that this game makes Nick Nurse go, eh. No offense to these other guys, but Jakob Pertl is actually a better player than Gary Trent. He might actually be currently a better player than, than Scotty Barnes. He might be currently a better player than OG Ananobi. That's all debatable. But I know he's better than Precious Achua and Thad Young and Will Barton, and he needs 34, 35 minutes a night every night. Maybe this is the wake-up call. And honestly, you might get a second-round player here from Pirtle. And the fact that he hit seven of seven free throws is unbelievable. So while it was annoying and it was bad at first, maybe, maybe it's the light switch where Nick Nurse goes, ah, I can't do that again. Let's roll. And of course, that's terrible for Gary Trent, who had four points in 18 minutes, didn't have any stats apart from three rebounds and shot 29%. If Trenner is playing minutes like this, then you are clearly dropping him. But we don't know that. There are seven minutes here that went to Will Barton, which are completely useless. So you could just put them straight onto Trent, give him 25. There are four Thad Young minutes, which are pretty much completely useless as well. And they can go onto Trent as well, which pushes him back to 29. And in 29 minutes, he might get 18 points with two threes and two steals. And you know everything else is going to be bad. You know there'll be no rebounds or assists or blocks, and there'll be bad field goals. You know all of that. But if he goes from 17 minutes and you eliminate these two spuds in Young and Barton and they all go to Trent, then we're back in business. But if he doesn't, then we drop. 
Ananobi played 38 minutes, 26, 3 and 2, two steals and a block. Glad I had him on the buy low show. While Siakam struggled, 13 points on 16 shots. He had 11 rebounds and 6 assists. Chris Boucher, to be fair to him, put up some okay numbers, but only played 13 minutes. 12 points and 2 blocks. There's no need to roster him. There's absolutely no need to roster Precious Achua, who got absolutely cooked in this game. I just, oh man, yes, my, my assess- I, I feel really confident that all my assessments on Precious Achua, even though I, I, I sort of wavered in the middle there, said, oh, maybe I'm wrong. I'm right. He's bad. I don't think he's ever going to be good. He remains bad. He's been bad his whole career. Is this hyperbolic? A little bit, but he's also bad. So he played uh, 13 minutes for two points, Precious Achua. Scott Barnes, I think was very good in this one, 14-3-5, and five, and Van Vliet shot horribly as well, 14-3-8 on 29%. But somehow, Van Vliet was a team best plus 15 despite shooting that poorly. For the Washington Wizards, um, this is what we needed to see. Fully healthy team, what happens with Daniel Gafford? Was Gafford's low minutes because Kuzma was back, or was it other factors? Other factors. 31 minutes for Gafford, 18-5 and five with a block on 80% shooting. Now, I'm not going to sit here and blow smoke up your ass and tell you that Gafford's going to play 31 minutes at night because he's, he's not. He could, but I don't think he is. But as I have maintained the whole way along, 19 minutes a night for Gafford is, shouldn't be your expectation. We'll see what happens, but I never bought into the Kuzma return being what dropped him back. It was fouls and it was a weird Corey Kispert 9 of 9 first half shooting night. This is great. I've banged you over the head about Daniel Gafford being a must-roster player, being someone to grab for a while. Let's let's execute it. Dillon Wright, seven, re- seven points, six rebounds, 11 assists, three steals. It's an amazing game. I don't know where Morris is back, but I don't care. You've got to add Dillon Wright. There are two massive takeaway must-adds out of this game, and it's Gafford and Wright. They have been ads for weeks, or at least a week. Add them. Porzingis, 25 and 5, two blocks and two threes. While Bielo struggled a bit, 15 points on 36% with five rebounds and five assists. Kuz also at least didn't completely kill you. And that's not true. He did 42% from the field, 30 and 5 with five assists. This is what he does. He's just been a very, very inefficient player. Also, Kendrick Nunn, basically out of the rotation. Four minutes for him while Jordy Goodwin played 12. And Corey Kispert hit two threes. And honestly, he doesn't do anything else. Oh, yeah, Denny Abdia. I don't think he needs to be a 12-team league player. He's streamable, but 6 and 9, 28 minutes. He's not a top 150 guy this season. He's not a top 150 guy over the last week. He's not a top 150 guy in points leagues. I don't really see how we can view him as a must-roster player. I don't think it's there. Today's episode is also brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. This Built Bar ad tells me, tell me, tell us the ad, read this, read it like it's coming from your own experience. It is coming from my own experience. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. I've had them. Plenty of them. I've got to box them downstairs. So many different flavors, and I get them. And it's it's so hard to get them here in Australia. I can't just go to Built.com like you guys can in America and order them and get them delivered. I can't just go into Walmart and find the four-bar boxes on the shelf in cookies and cream flavoring, in coconut uh, crunch flavor. Coconut crunch? Anyway, I think it's coconut crunch. No, coconut puff or double chocolate. I don't have Walmart. I can't walk in and get them. I don't have Sam's Club where you guys can walk in and get a 13-bar box and get yourself the um, churro flavor or the brownie batter. I can't do that. But because these bars are so good, they're high in protein, they're low in calorie, they're low in fat, they're low in sugar, because I know they're covered in 100% real chocolate. And this is absolutely no bullshit. I order them and get them rerouted through a package redelivering service so I can get them sent, so they get them here to Australia because they are that bloody good. That is what I do to get built Bars here. And that is 100% a true story. You want a true story, built Bar? That is it. Because built Bar is, like me, built different. Let's go to the next game. The Sixers and the Mavs. Now, there are certain things about coaching I don't always get. I don't always understand them. 
And did they lose because of this? I don't know. Right, I don't know. The Mavericks beat the Sixers 133-126. Last game, Tyrese Maxey played really well off the bench. But you would think, you would think, as a coach, as a man of science and culture and whatever, you would think that when you're going up against Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic in your backcourt, you're sitting there mad scientisting your lineups, you know, with your part-time medical practice on the side, you're sitting there going, well, we're going against literally the two dynamic, most dynamic guards in the NBA, the most dynamic backcourt pairing of guards in the, in the NBA at the moment. Why don't we get them guarded by Tyrese Maxey and James Harden? Why don't we try and match James Harden and Tyrese Maxey's minutes to them to see if either of those two, two of the worst guard defenders in the NBA can slow them down? Is that what you do if you were an NBA coach slash doctor? Apparently, that's what Dr. Rivers did. Because he's been starting DeAnthony Melton all of this time. And if there's one matchup, one matchup where you go, I actually need DeAnthony Melton's backcourt defense in it, it's probably this one. But this was the one where he decided, thanks, Tyrese. Uh, you go guard Kyrie now. What? I'm not saying that's the reason that they lost. They might not be. Melton still played 31 minutes, but it didn't mean that he matched up against Luca and Kyrie as much as possible. Just a curious decision. A lot of takeaways, I think, this from Philadelphia. Now, they lost because Dallas just couldn't miss a shot. What did they hit? 52% of their threes? Like that, okay, you can't do anything about that. But still curious decision-making. Melton, more minutes in this game, which is good. He needs to play more minutes. 31 minutes, 12, 7, and 6 with 5 steals. Me, the dickhead, benched him in my locked-on fantasy basketball playoffs. I thought, oh, he's going to come off the bench. What if he plays 23 minutes? I don't want to waste one of my games caps on him. So I benched him. Cool. L for me. He's not going to play this much every night, but we have to look at this as a rosterable, must-roster situation for now. They've actually got a pretty good schedule next week as well. But with Tyrese Maxey starting, 35 minutes, 29, 2, and 2, points and nothing else, this really worries me and it should worry you if you have Tobias Harris because the thick Hogsman is just not going to touch the ball now he was dreadful minus 22 but also 11% usage 10, 5 and 3 with no defensive stats this if this sticks with Maxi in the starting lineup I think Harris is going to be outside the top 120 and I think he's going to be a drop I would not drop him now but there is going to be a situation in your playoffs where you're going to go hmm is this a trend or is this a cold streak and I think you should lean more towards trend because when's he going to touch it? Fourth offensive option who provides no defense. Like, what use is that? Might as well re resurrect Tony Snell and get him into your lineup. That's my worry. Jimmy Harden had 27, 4, and 13, while Embiid had 35 and 8 with two steals. Good numbers there. PJ only played 24 minutes as they did go small. Um, well, not what small. They, they went smaller with Harris at the four and Melton and Maxi together, which is something they should look at doing a little bit more. But not much else to talk about there, I don't think. For the Mavs, they did make a change in the starting lineup. Buyout legend Justin Holiday went to the bench and played 11 minutes. How stupid starting him two games in. And now he's going to be out of the rotation. Scoreless in 11 minutes. The reason he got bought out and traded for nothing was because he is bad. Now they went back to Josh Green, who played 32 minutes. This does not mean we add Josh Green. He's going to be Josh Okogieing it. Five points, five rebounds, one steal. That's good, but he's not at 12 team out. But he went back and started. Bullock actually looking more like a streamer. 15 points and five threes. Well, played 39 minutes. Well, Timmy Hardaway, only 20 minutes. Ooh. Eight points and two threes. We do not want Tim Hardaway as a must-roster player. He's fine to stream, but it did not work out today. Let's talk about the good. Yeah, Doncic had 42, 4, and 12, and Kyrie had 40 and 4 with six assists and three steals. These two guys cooked. They couldn't miss. They dominated. But I'll tell you who didn't, Christian Wood. 14 minutes for the crucifix, 10 and 2. 
much like when we talk about making making calls and when do you make that decision on Bobby Portis or when do you make that decision on Tobias Harris, we've got to be really close to it here with Christian Wood. That's not enough. We knew Kleber coming back would be a problem. It's a, it's a gigantic problem. It's a huge problem. Kleber only played 20 minutes here. 14 minutes, 10 and 2, no other stats. He's 194th over the last week. I don't think he's top 100 rest of the season. If you're in an eight-team league, oh, Jack Armstrong, what should we do? Get that garbage out of here! If you're in a 10-team league, Christian Wood, oh, what should we do? Get that garbage out of here! In a 12-team league, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Should we do it? Should we jack him? Should we jack him in a 12-team league? Honestly, again, look at your roster. This is where we're at with Christian Wood. Honestly, appraise it. Oh, but what about what he did in December? Don't worry about what he did in December. None of that matters. What is he doing now? Is he your worst player? Is the schedule good or bad? If it's bad and he's your worst player, jack him all the way off. You do not need Christian Wood playing 18 minutes a night, hurting your free throws while there's other options in there. It's not even about, is there a better waiver wire player? Are there three better waiver wire players that I can stream in each day using his roster spot? And I think... For the vast majority of you guys, the answer is going to be yes. I don't expect him to play 14 minutes a night every night. But Dwight Powell played 22. Cleaver played 20. They didn't play tons at all. Tim Hardaway only played 20 as well. So there's room for him to play more. It is looking absolutely horrendous. The outlook for Wood is horrendous at the moment. And I think, I think you should be very, very concerned if he's on your roster and if he's a key part of it. Next game. The streaking San Antonio Spurs beat the Pacers 110-99. Indiana was without Tyrese Halliburton, so they started George Hill. What? Anyway, it didn't really matter. Hill played 15 minutes. He had seven points, while Timothy John had 10, 6, and 5 with four steals. It's worth having McConnell in case Halliburton misses. It doesn't look like it's going to be a serious thing. And as I alluded to earlier, I don't know what to make of the center situation. There's a couple of things that I... I don't know, and I, I really want to swear, but I, I, I shouldn't. But I don't understand what the point was of Daniel Tice coming back and being installed straight away as the backup center and playing as the backup center for seven games and now out of the rotation. What was the point of any of that? Useless. What is the point of two Jalen Smith games in a row and then Isaiah Jackson comes in and has two points on one of six shooting and has two blocks in 17 minutes? And I don't even care from a fantasy point of view. Like these guys are only deeper league options. It's frustrating for sure that we don't know where they are and how to stream them in. But from a real life development perspective, what's the point of any of this? Why are we doing this with Jackson and Smith and Tyson jacking them all around all season? I don't understand it. So anyway, who's the backup center? I don't know. I, I don't know. And you can't know. It's impossible to know. So don't even try and guess. Maybe we get two games of Jackson and back to Smith. Wouldn't be surprised if Tice comes out next game. I've got no idea. It was a stinker from Ben Matherin. Absolute stinker. Seven points in 15 minutes. You know what? I know a lot of you won't agree with this, but... Get that garbage out of here! He's not good when he plays big minutes. Now he's at risk, apparently, of playing lower minutes. He had seven and four. He'll have big games. But he is in that Reggie Bullock... Malik, not even Malik Beasley. He's a stream guy. He's had multiple opportunities all season and he's not even a top 175 fantasy player. He's not. There's no point having him. Bud Heald was on fire early. He had 27-4-4. Four four, Miles Turner had 14-2-4 with three blocks. And in this game, 
Chris Duarte got the minutes. Why? Because I don't know. And I know that some of you will be like, Josh, the reason is tanking. Okay, cool. That's fine. Um, whatever. 18 and 9 for Duarte in 34 minutes. Do I trust it? Not at all. One of my best 30 deep acquisitions ever, which I got last week, and he's probably going to help me win the, the playoffs this week, is Jordan Wara, who played 26 minutes, 10, 3, and 4 in a triple one. I think he's a great ad, honestly, in 16-teamers, 14-team maybe. That's three in a row. He's played more than Aaron Neesmith. Why? I don't know. But that's what's happened. Neesmith was dreadful. You cannot roster Aaron Neesmith in 12-team leagues. Zero points in 16 minutes. All he had was three rebounds. He's inconsistent. I don't think he's an NBA player, honestly. The fact that he started this many, many games is one of the most stealth tank moves I've ever seen. He's bad. Uh, no points for him in 16. He's a, like a deeper league guy. Only I would happily, whatever if, if I've got um, Nick Smith in any league, I would happily swap Nora in, even understanding that I could get Carlisle here. Um, and Nempard had four and two in 21 minutes, despite no Halliburton. He also, despite an unbelievable start to his career, has turned into the guy that when the draft pick was made, I go, why are you picking this bloke at pick 31? This is a ridiculously stupid pick. And obviously I looked dumb. For that, and I probably will continue to look dumb because he is a serviceable rotation player. But his last three months, two and a half months maybe, have been actually quite poor. And he's fallen way back to being, again, the guy that I thought, it's a weird pick at pick 31 to pick a four-year senior who maybe profiles as a backup point guard, maybe. He's really, really fallen off, which is, I wonder where it goes from here. I know it's only early in his career, but I wonder where it goes. For the Spurs, they welcomed a lot of guys back but then they lost Kelton Johnson. And of course, they lost Doug McDermott. Now, Doug McDermott, just quickly on him, because I don't think I'm going to talk about him ever again. Um, he's really destined to me to become the new Eric Gordon, where you look and you go, huh, he's still on the Spurs. Why is he still on this team? I feel like he's going to gonna be... He started. Maybe he started all season for them last season. He's going to be one of those guys, I think. And you go, ah, what's he doing here? 24 minutes for Malachi Branham. 8, 6, and 4. What I said with Branham so many times is, sure, stream while things are happening at the moment, but he doesn't have a good category league game, and he's going to get squeezed. He got squeezed. I think you can drop him. You can stream him in, but you can drop him. Devin Vassell was on a minutes limit. I think he played 15 or 16 minutes in the first half and ended up playing 23 overall. He looked great. 18, 2, and 2, but only 23 minutes. Obviously, if he's available, you grab him. Trey Jones, only 21 minutes, 2, 4, and 5, unlimited shooting. I am not convinced that Trey Jones is a must-grab. He probably is, but I'm not convinced. I think he might sit around 25, 26 minutes. And even in 28, 29, he was very iffy. I'm not, I'm not convinced on Trey being a must-grab. He probably is, and I, I find it hard to avoid. I also don't know what to make of 32 minutes for Devontae Graham. He had 18, 6, and 4. He's easily best game of his Spurs tenure. But that doesn't feel like it's real. Like, I don't look at that and go, yeah, well, Fonte will keep doing that. I just don't think that's going to happen. Zach Collins, huge bounce back, 18-6-5 with two blocks and 64% shooting. Obviously, must roster. Hopefully, nobody dropped him after yesterday. Hopefully not. And goldfinger Charlie Bassey, 6-5, two blocks, 75%. Honestly, he's a 12-team league option. When the schedule suits, which it does at the moment, he is a 12-team league player, 105th over the last week. Is he a must roster guy? No. The upside is really limited unless Collins goes down and then the upside is like top 40. But that's, you know, we're waiting for something to happen that probably doesn't. Jeremy Sohan was also really good. And encouragingly, he got two steals. Now, that's been a real problem for him not getting any defensive stats. You're going to have to deal with bad percentages though. 42% from the field, but 26 field goal attempts on 34 usage. What the hell? 
He had 22 and 13 with three assists. He's a better points league guy than category league guy by about 50 ranking spots so far this season. He probably should be a must in 12 points leagues. 12 category leagues, probably. But it really depends on how your team's set up. Do you need that RJ Barrett points, rebounds, assists? Because that's what he brings with bad percentages. You know, like the 50% Polo Bunkero. Maybe maybe he's okay there, but he's not going to be for everyone. But I'd have him over Malachi Branham, who had a nice little run. But, you know, with these guys back, it's going to end. We've still got Johnson and Romeo Langford at some point, I guess, to return, which is going to put a further clamp on the upside of Branham. There'll be moments where players sit, where Branham pushes up and has a big pop-off game. But overall, I don't really see how Branham is a top 150 guy for the rest of the season. Hey, maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe you disagree. Drop it down in the comments below if you're watching this. I, I don't really see it. For Branham this season, I asked this question on Twitter, and I'll ask it now on the podcast. Is there anyone, or who do you think on this current Spurs roster, which for those of you trying to be smart, Victor Wembanyama, <laughs> doesn't include a player that they've got a 14% chance of drafting, um, who on this roster plays the most all-star games in their career? I think it's Devin Vassell. Who do you think it is? I had some people saying Bassey, some saying Keldon Johnson, some saying Vassell, some saying Branham. I think it's Vassell, and I don't think anybody else makes an all-star game. But interested to see what you guys think about the players on this roster. All right, let's do the last game. The LA Clippers got smacked by the Warriors 115-91. And you can look at this, and you can tell me that it's not Russell Westbrook's fault they lost, and I agree with you. It's not Russell Westbrook's fault, but it also 100% is. But it's not his fault. It's the fact that they this team decided that we needed Russell Westbrook, added him into a situation that didn't fit, plays him too many minutes, and screwed up everything they had going for them. That is not a Russell Westbrook fault. Russell Westbrook is going to be Russell Westbrook, a terrible shooter who makes ill-advised decisions, who pays no, pays no attention on defense. That is who he is. He didn't falsely advertise anything. This is what he does. This is not his fault that they lost. It is Ty Lue and the Clippers front office, and honestly, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard for stumping so hard to get this guy in when it was so obvious on the outside that it made no sense. It comes in. They make no sense. They got smashed. They've lost all four games. He needs, honestly, it's not his fault. They should cut him immediately. It makes, you'll all come at me. Oh, but Josh, he, it wasn't his fault that they all missed shots. That's all cool, but he screws everything up. Minutes, rotations, spacing, everything because of the way he plays. Everyone's confidence and role is all over the place. None of it works. They would be better without him playing a single second. And that is not a Russell Westbrook fault. He didn't lead them to the loss. The decision-making to play him leads them to the losses. Eight points, zero rebounds, six assists for Westbrook, 25% shooting. He his free throws. He was only a minus 10. Kawhi and Terrence Mann were both minus 24s. Way worse on that metric. But watching how this goes, I am very... Fairly confident that Russell Westbrook is going to be a fantasy drop very soon. This can't continue. He can't continue to play these minutes. And I would say that it's very clear that Norman Powell is a drop as well. Two points on 11% shooting. But if my expectation is that Westbrook is out of the rotation or gone at some point, Powell will get more minutes. But if you're in a desperate situation, Powell's not good enough to hold through this nonsense. If you're in the playoffs now, cut him. Get rid of him. Paul George was bad as well. 27 minutes, 11-5-5. and five. Kawhi, 21-7 with a Richie Benno, which is obviously good. Two for two, two, two. But not great. And then the Cockroach, 12-20 and 20 for Mason Plumley with Ivica Zubats out. 
He's a strong stream, and he might be a stream tomorrow, but apart from that, he's not. Eric Gordon had 16 points. He got a couple of those going towards the end of the game, but he's not anything we need to look at. People are still holding Bones Highland for God knows what reason. Six points in 12 minutes. He's just not a regular rotation player. And Batum had five in 20 minutes. It's just hard to get excited about anything here. We got five and five out of Terrence Mann with two steals, but he's not a 12-team league guy either. Something's going to have to change with this team. That's why I'm reticent to say a lot of stuff. Um, but I do think, again, if you're bang on needing production now, you just cut Norman Powell. You don't need Eric Gordon. You don't need Norman Powell. You don't need Nick Batum. You might not need Russell Westbrook. It's been bad. For the Warriors, it was great. Jordan Poole, 34-4, and four, five triples, two steals. Steph's coming back Sunday. It's all awesome. Clay had 19 and 11. That's a career high 11 rebounds for, for Clay, amazingly. John Kaminga really racked up some big numbers towards the end 19 and 7, three threes, two steals, two blocks. Now, Steph returning. Wiggins eventually returning will impact him. I wouldn't rush to add him. Although, we'll see. Maybe there's stream value tomorrow. I wouldn't be that excited. And DiVincenzo had two steals, two blocks with 11 rebounds in 31 minutes. His value is going to suffer significantly. Just ride it until it drops off. I think he can still maintain value while Steph ramps up and while Wiggins is out, and then eventually he will fall back away. We got 25 minutes out of Looney, 11 and 8, definitely not bad, but he does produce less when Draymond Green plays. As for Draymond, he had 11, 9, and 9. Pretty good game overall from Draymond. That'll bring us through to the lines of the night. The monstrous line of the night does go to Jakob Pertl. Your waiver wire line of the night is Devontae Graham. The young gun is Jeremy Sohan. The dud of the night is Norman Powell. Top 10 players in category leagues, number one. Pirtle, followed by Doncic, Harding, Harden, not Harding, Harden, Irving, Porzingis, Jordan Poole, Buddy Heald, OG Ananobi, Clay Thompson, and DeAnthony Melton. Your top 10 players rostered in under 50% of leagues. Number one is Devontae Graham, not interested. Chris Boucher, not interested. Chris Duarte, stream, but it's so risky. John Kaminga, maybe tomorrow, but probably not. McConnell, yeah, we stream him until we know that Halliburton's back. Dwight Powell, no. Jordan Wara, deeper leagues. Reggie Bullock has three-point stream value for 12s. Bates Diop, if Keldon's out, maybe, but that's just, again, deeper league stuff. And then Terrence Mann, who I just don't have any faith in 12 or 14-team leagues with their rotation. Your top 10 players in points leagues, Doncic, Irving, Pirtle, Embiid, Sohan, Poole, Clay, Harden, Heald, and DeAnthony Melton. And guys, that'll do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. And if you're here on YouTube, thumb it up and leave those comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.